Welcome to the Innovation World Podcast, your go-to source for all things innovation, invention, and entrepreneurship. Our website is www.innovationworld.org. Welcome to the Innovation World Young Collaborator Podcast Series. My name is Nicole Haraguchi. I'm 11 years old, and I live in St. Augustine, Florida in the U.S. Today's podcast is called Sustainable Food. And we're going to learn how Tailored Foods is working on providing nutritious food for the population in need worldwide. Please join me as I welcome Mr. Taylor Quinn, founder and CEO of Tailored Foods. Mr. Quinn, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. The objectives of Taylor Foods are so important for the world, with growing population and facing the possibility of food shortage. Please tell us about Taylor Foods and its origin and main objectives. Sure, thank you, and, and thanks to those who are listening to this. Um, so I'm Taylor. I'm uh, no longer a youth, but um, I started the work I do now when I was 22 years old, so so pretty young, all things considered. Um, I'd always been pa <laughs> passionate when I was a teenager about social impact, working for different nonprofit causes, organizing some protests about issues that I cared about in my hometown of Vancouver, Canada. Um, but I, uh, I was living in Liberia in West Africa when I was 22. And Liberia was just coming out of the Ebola um, outbreak. We're still kind of in it, but it was it had kind of reached its peak already when I moved there. And um, in short, Nicola, I uh, there was a doctor I met six months into living in Liberia named Dr. Jude. And Dr. Jude explained to me, he said, "Look, Taylor, I I feed kids suffering from malnutrition who are dying of starvation." I feed them with, with what UNICEF or the Red Cross and other charities donate to my hospital. But there's no advice I can give to the moms or the grandmothers who are bringing kids into the hospital because um, nutritious, low-cost food is simply not available in local markets. And so kids, you know, get better with the products that I give them at my hospital, but then I'm sending them right back into the same situations where they don't have access to nutritious food in their home communities. So he's like, look, despite my best efforts, the best efforts of the different charities, kids are dying of starvation and no one's, no one's really doing anything to address the root cause. And so I thought that was very much uh, not okay um, and, uh, and wanted to do something to try to change it. Uh, so I've been obsessed um, with, developing and uh, and scaling up nutritious, delicious, low-cost food products ever since. So my model is I work with uh, local businesses or local charities in the different countries I work in. Um, so everything's run by by local teams um, and it's, it's their businesses. I just try to be the behind the scenes support. We'll research, develop, launch, and then scale up food products like fermented porridge in Liberia, banana leaf packaged protein bars in Congo, uh, nutritious nut butters in Mozambique. Um, yeah, also protein enriched biscuits in Ethiopia. So different products in each country um, based on what's culturally relevant. And so we'll develop food products that 
are sold directly to the lowest income families with no subsidies, just, you know, we have to design our businesses uh, to make sure we're designing foods that are cheap enough to be affordable to the poorest families. And then we'll also sell to uh, big uh, nonprofit organizations like uh, the United Nations World Food Program or UNICEF or Save the Children, um, kind of all, the, all the big nonprofits that are operating in the countries that we work in. Wow, that's amazing. So um, how do you tailor all the foods to from the for the unfortunate population mm -hmm. in need? Yeah, so um, my my academic background, I studied anthropology and sociology in school. And so for those um, listening who are thinking about what to study in university, um, social sciences can be really, really powerful. And uh, so I studied you know, anthropology, sociology. And so I really try to learn and listen in the communities I work in, in the countries I work in, learn and listen what type of foods are popular, what do people want to eat, what, you know, what are people excited by, and then designing products that, you know, taste really good, people are excited to eat them, and they also happen to be really nutritious. So can you give uh, more details about defining sustainable food production for the mm -hmm. population? Yeah, so when it comes to sustainable food production, there's a couple of different things we try to do. And every country is different, but we're always trying to use local crops. So rather than importing wheat from Ukraine or, or you know, importing food products from other places in the world, um, we try to source local crops. And as much as we can, we try to source local crops that are that are resilient to climate change. So maybe we'll source something that's um, really drought resistant and can be you know adapted to areas that are getting less rain than maybe they once did. Um, and then we'll design our food processing facilities in a way that they don't require a lot of electricity to run. Uh, so more kind of run by human power rather than power from the electrical grid. So how do you define like production and distribution systems for these very remote areas? Yeah, so when it comes to production and distribution, um, so we'll we'll figure out, you know, how are how is production and distribution working today? So maybe there's a good production system that happens at more of the village level um, in some places we work versus versus bigger towns or cities. Um, and then on the distribution side, we really look at how are products being distributed today? And so, you know, in central Congo, for example, we distribute products by, by train actually, um, which like is not something that I would have thought about before I went to Congo, but using the daily train is actually the best way to distribute products. Um, or we'll use motorcycles or we'll use, um, We'll have women, you know, kind of going out as sales agents um, with wheelbarrows full of product. Um, so we we really try to adapt to whatever is being utilized in that local context to distribute other products. We'll we'll try to follow those same systems. So could you provide us with some statistics of your results? 
Sure. So in terms of the statistics of our results, um, so we've done over three and a half million meals that have been sold, produced and sold and, and consumed so far. Um, we work in four countries in our long-term partnerships, but then we also do um, co collaborations, consulting collaborations with, you know, the the UN and, and other, other big charities. So in total, we've worked in about 15 countries at this point with about another 15 countries that we're about to start working in before the end of the year. So we'll probably be, again, the range of 25 to 30 countries that we've done this work in by the end of the year, um, which is really exciting. Um, our products are, are sourced either 100% locally or at least 85% local ingredients or above. Um, in Congo, for example, we increased the income of women in rural communities where we operate. We increased income levels by 480%. Um, so that's exciting. Um, and and our product has, you know, important nutrition impact on, on households as well. And we've had uh, partners like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation who have funded a research study into our work to, to help us validate all of those impact metrics. Wow, so what's your recommendation for kids like me who are interested in helping improve food security in the world? Yeah, for, for, for kids like you, Nicole, who want to improve food security in the world, I would say ask a lot of questions. Um, and, you know, really, in the food is really fun, right? Because no matter whether you're in your home community or you're traveling somewhere with your family or even at school, um, you know, ask, ask questions. Ask maybe at your school, the cafeteria is selling a lot of unhealthy food and, and ask like, why is that? Like, what is the, what are the systems in place behind why food is so unhealthy in your cafeteria? Um, you know, is it a budget problem? Is it a, is it a cooking problem? Um, you know, what, what's going on there that, that means that your school is selling unhealthy food versus healthy food. Um, and then I, I would say, you know, as soon as you're able to really try to spend time inside the food system. So, um, for myself, like I, for myself that when I was a teenager, I worked in grocery stores uh, from the age of 12, I, I worked as a cashier. I worked cleaning, cleaning the, the, the butcher room and cleaning the deli in a grocery store. I worked in the fruit and vegetable department at a grocery store. Um, so I personally like, you know, kind of could see the food system a little bit like from, from inside it in my own way, in my own community in Canada. Um, but, you know, can you get the opportunity to go to a farm and actually see what the growing of food looks like and see what, you know, how impressive it is, you know, farmers who, who are growing the food we, we easily can just go and buy at the grocery store or the farmer's market. Um, so those would be some thoughts, but as much as you can, immerse yourself in it and ask a lot of questions. Um, uh, and And really, like, you know, there's such a... I feel like it's probably different for kids now, but like when I was a kid, you know, the unhealthy snacks were the most popular. Um, 
But if you just put a blindfold on and and ate like a fresh peach versus like fuzzy peach candies, and I love fuzzy peach candies, don't get me wrong, but like the fresh peach tastes just as good, if not better, right? So so as much as you can, you know, try to you both for yourself and for your friends, try to encourage people to eat all the delicious things that nature has to offer that are that are you know not uh, really unhealthy for us. Because like for, for kids in the US, for example, kids in the US, 60% of their food is ultra processed junk food on average. So the typical American kid, 60% of their food is uh, ultra processed junk food. So the the food system problems in, in places like the US are, are different than some of the places I work in Africa, but kind of just as, just as important and causing just as much trouble. Yeah, so like, just to be clear to our listeners, can we do like a case study here? Let's say like mm-hmm. uh, an indigenous group in the Amazon that requires a low-cost sustainable food, and they're most affected by the monsoon and the land grabbers mm-hmm. invading their territory. Is there any way mm-hmm. that we can help? Yeah, so my... You know, if I was working in a community like that, I would try to look at, you know, my first question would be, what are people eating today? What is their current diet? How much of that diet is from imported food that's being maybe brought into their community from outside versus how much of their food is maybe being grown in their local community or harvested maybe, <clears throat> maybe fish and, and uh, wild fruit. So first understand what's going on locally um, and then really talk to people about what are their hopes and dreams of what do they want to be eating. Um, and w- the way I normally figure that out is asking people when they do get a little bit more money, what are they buying or how are they celebrating when they when there's a local wedding? You know, what foods are had in moments of celebration? What foods are kind of special, right? Um and then looking at, is there a way to set up a, a really low-cost production system to start maybe producing healthy food that aligns with what people want to eat, um, producing healthy food at that local community level? So are there, like, in, so I want to, like, more examples on immediate actions that we can all take to help your goals? Mm. Yeah, so um, so I have my own small nonprofit organization called Tailored Food, and so we provide small uh, grants or donations to our partners. So we will give five thousand dollars a year, up to five thousand dollars a year, to the four countries that we we work in today with our long term partnerships. Um, and so if anyone's interested in donating to Tailored Food, um, we do accept donations and can offer tax receipts in the U.S. Um, so please feel free to contact us through our website, tailoredfood.org, or you can email me um, or, or even text me. Um, my email is taylor, spelled with a Y, at tailoredfood.org, tailored food spelled with an I. Um, or you can text me at 415-510-0910 um, for more information on how to donate. 
Um, we'll also take volunteers uh, who, to support our organization. So if you have um, energy and, and passion for this space and maybe any technical skills, um, we will, we will uh, work with volunteers and get help on some of our projects, um, either in-person volunteers or also uh, volunteers who are working online. Uh, maybe doing more research-based tasks and writing tasks and things, um, supporting our local businesses in different countries. So again, if you want to contact him, you can go to uh, you can contact him or like donate. And I want to say thank you so much, Mr. Quinn, for all this enlightening information with us today. We are looking forward uh, with working with you and up with your upcoming events so do you have any last words to your listeners thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit about what i'm working on and uh, i would just say you know this work is is i'm involved but there's also you know incredible entrepreneurs who are the real the real heroes doing the work every day so my goal is just to do everything i can to support those entrepreneurs who are on the front lines of food systems and uh, to young people out there, you know, it is really possible to get engaged in your local food system. There's so many different ways you can do so. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'm here to support if you ever have any questions or, or, or want any guidance. Uh, I'm here as a resource for, for people who want to work in food systems. So to our listeners, learn more about this program and others by visiting innovationworld.org. And if you want to see his website, as he said, to visit taylorfoods.org. So thank you so much for joining the Innovation World Young Collaborator podcast series. This is Nicole signing off. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today for the Innovation World podcast. Innovation World is your go-to source for all things innovation, invention, and entrepreneurship. Our website is www.innovationworld.org.